Hi, welcome to this week's Flon Digital Industry Spotlight. This is episode four, and this week we're going to be covering Unilever threatening to pull some of the ads from toxic social networks. We're also going to be covering Google's AMP for Gmail initiative, and we're also going to be touching on Facebook losing users in the US. Okay, so we're going to cover um, Facebook losing quite a significant amount of users for the first time ever in its history. Um, so 2.8 million users in the US under 25, um, which is a key demographic for Facebook, seen as they're always striving for continued growth, um, which ties in with their frustrations about not getting hold of Snapchat, seen as that's a key demographic that Snapchat own. Um, I think it's also been reflected in the fact that Facebook's stock has dropped for the first time in probably, or significantly for the first time in probably 10 years. Um, yeah, and I know we touch on Snapchat quite a bit, don't we? I think this could be quite a key key reason why Facebook's user base might be dwindling a little bit. I think the under-25 demographic now, seeing all the parents and all the older generation on Facebook, it's a bit ubiquitous, and now they're probably thinking, we need to get away from this, a bit more privacy. Yeah. Going across to Snapchat or one of the other competitors, there's a few little, little competitors. Oh, yeah, I agree, but you ask anybody that's under 25 anyway and they think that Facebook's for people that are ancient anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, perhaps. I think as well, probably, I don't know how that ties in with what they're trying to encourage across Facebook, though, because in my opinion, when I'm browsing Facebook, you normally find that engagement comes from um, younger people as well, and the older people just tend to observe. Lurking. So, yeah, just lurking in the background. Um, and it's the it's the youth really that get on board and start to engage and like and comment and all that kind of thing. So, yep. I guess by Facebook trying to encourage more engagement, it's trying to get that older demographic to get on board a little bit more. They've already got the younger people covered; they know that they engage already. Mm. So, is it maybe they're trying to get the older people to to get in, get a little bit more involved than they usually would be? But still, yeah. it is quite a sharp decline in. Uh, in general usage, really, it's it's pretty. It's been a pretty risky call, I think. And like Lisa, I think they've lost quite a bit of. Um, they've had quite a big dip in the shares yeah. since. I think in the grand scheme of things, two point eight million users on a platform that has billions and billions of users daily is is tiny from the outside looking in. But I think for Facebook, it'll hit them hard because it's a key demographic, and it's yeah. a demographic that underlies the growth of the platform. Like, like Chris is about shares, basically social networks, users equal shares and it pretty much share prices yep. correlates pretty much the same. So yep. if it grows and sort of shares, yeah, so they cost a key demographic. I still think though that it's it's been quite a good call on Facebook's part to try and encourage more engagement because people are getting lazy with the social networks now. Like I say, the older demographic especially, we all, we all do it, don't we? We'll browse and we'll watch videos and we'll um, look at... Uh, people's photos and we just sort of watch it from the background we don't act actually getting engaged anymore we don't yeah. interact with anything that's going on and it's just um it's swamped with you know publisher content now as well which is probably going to degrade the whole uh, brand if they're not careful so i can sort of see why they've made this transition in the first place to be honest it's going to be interesting to see what they do with instagram now because instagram is replicating a lot of snapchat functionality mm. but with things like Instagram's API being opened up and marketers now have the ability to schedule. Yeah. It's gonna be a fine line between them allowing Instagram to be ruined in terms of content and it also stands to be seen how much further they're gonna push it in terms of crushing Snapchat 
like for like on features. Snapchat seem less scared to innovate. I don't know with the recent app redesign. They're quite happy to just change things up. And our Facebook's done it historically, but over the last few years, really, the UI hasn't, hasn't gone very far, has it? No, no. Neither has Instagram. It's pretty similar. Whereas Snapchat pretty much has changed. Quite, well, it's, quite been, a lot it's been too risky for the user base, hasn't it? If you're going to try something out at scale and test something out, you're going to do it on a uh, on a platform that's got a smaller following and that there's less risk of things going wrong, but. I don't know about you guys, but I'm always seeing people um, slagging Snapchat off for the you know various things that they change mm. in the platform. I think if you were to... People just don't like change, though, do they? I mean, look at when Facebook changed, it's just people just hate it, don't they? Well, Whether it's for good or not. Yeah, just... people don't like change, full stop, <laughs> yeah. do they? So, but give it a few weeks and they've got used to it already, and yep. uh, it's a thing of the past. Yep. I think Facebook have the user loyalty, but Snapchat think that they have the user loyalty by doing things like spectacles, stupid stuff like that. They think they're bigger than they are in terms of how loyal the users are, whereas Facebook, I think, take a bit more care when they do things. But I think with Snapchat, it's a bit more of a cult following, isn't it? You can't, you can't see what I've been up to on Snapchat, whereas in, on, on Facebook and stuff, you can see each other's likes and you can see who they're chatting to and more yeah. obviously do it publicly. It's a bit more That's passive, it. They, they can yeah. probably get away with testing things on a, you know, yeah. like on a more risky basis. It's hard to compare, isn't it, sometimes, but yeah. They'll bring it back. They'll just, if necessary, they'll just put in a stupid, stupid offer for Snapchat. <laughs> yeah. They've got enough money. They've got enough money, so yeah, that's that's my final thought. Well, overall, <laughs> I think that it, it's still hard to really think of what Facebook are doing at the minute. I don't think anybody's got anything conclusive in terms of what they're going to do. But I think over these next six months, it's going to be interesting what the outcome is going to be across the other channels, Instagram, more mm. importantly, um, and see what that shift looks like. But I think a lot of a lot of people will be quite pleased to see, um, like I say, the reduction in, in rubbish publisher content that's out there and just you know spam brands and and things like that. I mean, it does get a little bit irritating. You can see like Lad Bible and Unilad and you know publishers like that who have an enormous following. Um, but they do push out a lot of crap sometimes and it is really really passive so I can see what they're trying to do mm. uh, or at least make it a little bit make these publishers work a little bit harder to push more quality content out yeah you can't make improvements without suffering any kind of loss. and I think like I said at the start 2.8 million in the grand scheme of things pretty small. Is, is pretty small it's a drop in the ocean isn't it really yep so now we're just going to talk about the um, Google AMP for Gmail uh, article that's been around the news. Um, people made quite a big deal out of this. Um, and it's sort of come out of the blue a little bit. Doesn't seem to have been much warning about this being part of Google's plans, but they've put it in. Oh, they've put the plans public now and they've basically said that there's a preview available and they've announced which brands are getting, they're working with to get this into their emails. So there's brands like Booking.com and uh, Doodle and Pinterest. Uh, and there's been a lot of... Uh, have no problem about this because email is one of those things that's been pretty much the same since since anyone can remember. It's essentially just letters, snail mail, but electronically. Um, and these are sort of like, you, you trust it so that if you've got an email and it's in your account, you go back to it in a few weeks' time, it's going to be the same. It's not a living thing. It's almost like a, it's fixed in time. So as soon as you start introducing these elements that's going to make emails maybe slightly more dynamic, and some people are even saying, that it might be used in such a way that you might send an email marketing newsletter out saying this product's on sale, but it'll be sensitive to time. So maybe you'll go back next week and it'll be the, the, the new product that's on sale. Whereas current email marketing newsletters, obviously, if you go back to your, to your stuff that were on sale last week, it might not even be on sale anymore. 
Uh, but that, that's sort of that's part of how it should work. That's how letters in the post work, and that's how these things have always worked. Just people should expect it to be like that. So as soon as you start changing these key things, key fundamentals to how emails work, it's going to change everything really. And you've got to be really careful not to just just screw with that because um, it's going to be strange. But I, th I think people are overacting a little bit because. I imagine Google's intentions here are a bit better than that. And what they're wanting to do really is have um, emails, for example, that have got a call to action in there, it takes you to a form, that allows someone to submit, and obviously you want as, as little friction as possible for someone to you know, complete that goal. So I, in my opinion, I think the, the main, one of the main use cases here is gonna be sort of bringing those forms up in Gmail and letting the user complete the goal without leaving Gmail and you know, creating that friction, that, that jump between your email app, Gmail, and your web browser app, whatever that may be. Um, so I think, I think personally that that's like the, what they're intending to do. Whether this could end up spiraling out of control, and like some people have suggested, you end up never leaving Gmail because Google basically just hijack all your web links, don't let you go to your browser, and keep you in the app. Whether it gets that bad, I don't know. But I love that. Really? It pisses me off when you have to go to an external site when you click a link through an email. If they can do that and you can interact with a website within Gmail, and it saves me time, I'm happy about it. But don't think, it's well, not good for the brands though that are actually that are offering the service for from an inbound perspective. It's like when they uh, they uh, tested the um, shopping products, and so you, you know you can sh uh, actually purchase through Google Shopping yep. platform. It's the same principle there. You don't even have to go to the retailer yep. that's selling the product. They're trying to harness the power of having that whole platform integrated mm -hmm. and keeping it in. What you're talking about there is it's almost like a dynamic inbox in it. Well, that was a crap user experience when they did that with shopping. This is a better user experience. But you're taking yeah. power away from the brands, like Chris said. If you in Google Shopping example, you know you can't upsell, cross sell, do what you want. You're in Google's, you're eating out of Google's palm there, aren't you? You can't, you can't do what you want anymore. You've got to play by their rules. You put the product there. All your competitors are going to be next to it, and you've got to stand out from the crowd with, with um, a price point or a picture. Yeah, I agree. I have no doubt in my mind that they'll monetize it in some way and make it into a platform where advertisers have to pay for the privilege of having that control back. But coming out of the ad world, looking at it from a user perspective, if, if it's driving a better mm. user experience, then it's worth it. Yeah, I think people, especially in the tech industry, are just, there's this big brother thing in there with Google where people just don't want to let them have everything. And it's like, they keep yeah. eating into this pie of stuff that they can just sort of have control of or track or serve ads as part of. It just seems as like this is another thing. Because yeah. obviously you've already got AMP for web and there's been loads of privacy concerns there whereby you're still in Google's ecosystem, even though you think you're on the brand's website, but you're sort yeah. of not. And there's that same thing now. So if, if your lead gen forms are within Gmail, who should say that Google can't look in what you're typing in or seeing which brands you're interested in, reporting that back to the enterprise customers that are paying fortunes for Google? Well, exactly. Analysis. They'll be harnessing that data in one way or another, won't they? If, mm. if they've got your purchase history, they can go and sell that, that data onto other companies, can't they? Or at yep. least use that. They'll be trying to build a, you know, a, a pool of you know, transactors so they can use that for other marketing platforms and things like that to yeah. build things like these technologies that you see coming out of like AdWords and stuff like your, uh, your similar audiences and your in-market audiences. So these are all new evolving technologies that show a customer's, I know we're going off the line a little bit here, but show like a customer's intent to purchase. Yeah. And they have all these different touch points and ways to determine whether somebody is actually, you know, a, a higher value purchaser mm. or, you know, um, a frequent online buyer, things like that. They, they'll be getting more data from you know yeah. products like that, and obviously by uh, the evolution of this Gmail AMP stuff, it's just the same thing again. They're just 
holding all that data in the same place to obviously use. And no doubt that data will come, come up in Google Analytics in a few years' time. They'll be able to say, oh, look, you know, we've seen converge, you know, all your gold data is going to be in there. These people are converting. Who's to say they're not going to start sending the newsletters on your behalf? They don't have to send it, do they? Just inject it into Gmail. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The only reason why people are kicked up a fuss about this is because it's Google and Google are transparent about what they're doing. Facebook do it. Amazon do it. Every, every big tech company collects as much data as they can to then leverage into revenue stream. It's just Google are more transparent it's about closing it. closing you off though, isn't it? You can't get out of the ecosystem. People don't like that. And well, it's people in tech don't like that. Obviously, like I say, from a, 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 more, a more dumb user experience, for want of a better word, if, it, if it's less friction, awesome. I yeah. don't care. Um, so if, yeah, for people who are less tech savvy, this might be great for them. They might even notice it's happening. They might just start thinking things are loading faster. Yeah. Uh, so well, I'm pretty tech savvy and I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with it. Yeah, well, I mean, brand, brands need Google, don't they? Really, they rely on Google for a lot of the traffic and, I guess, a lot of the sales. But at the same time, uh, how much do you want Google knowing about your customers mm. and all that kind of thing? And you, you don't know. I mean, how do you how do you make it clear to your customers that you're protected on the data that you share and things like that? I'd just be yeah. conscious of it if I were a brand and having Google pretty much harness all your data in the same place. You'd, you know, you'd be a little bit wary, wouldn't you? Yep. In my opinion, people need to stop whining and just get on with it and adapt to the platform. And just let everyone else have, have data. Have just get data. on with it. Just give, give Google it all. Stop <laughs> whining about it. Google don't give two shits what they're doing. They're going to do it anyway, so you may as well just adapt to the platform and adapt to what they're doing. Another point here is that if you don't like what's going on and you're a Gmail user, then there's plenty of compares you can go to. Absolutely, yeah. And they have no reason to adopt something like this. You can go off to, I mean, look at DuckDuckGo, for example, as a Google compare. Their USP is the privacy conscious, mm -hmm. isn't it? So no doubt if this causes a bigger prize people making out, then the DuckDuckGo for Gmail will come out or what for yeah. email or whatever, and then yeah. it's, it's consumer's choice at the end of the day. Yep. I think it's just another passing thing in it. I think yeah. um, it'll be one of them that gets tried and tested and then we'll come out of it and it'll probably be gone in another year. Yep, it's just hope hopefully we'll have as many teething issues as AMP on the web because obviously we're still talking about that, we talked about it over the week yep. um, and still changing fundamentals of that. So hopefully they've learned quite a bit from the tech tech side yeah. there and they can apply that knowledge and you know, not, not mess it up really as badly as they seem to have done for web. Well, it'll probably go the same way as it's just gone where they're trying to give a bit more power back to the publisher. Hopefully. That's what they'd like, won't they? Happy medium. Yep. So the next topic we're going to talk about is the recent news regarding Unilever and their CMO basically threatening to uh, um, leave Facebook and Google uh, for all their advertising services. So Unilever are... Uh, pretty much a manufacturing and packaging giant they own um, Marmite and other brands like that and they're, they're accusing Facebook and Google of being swamped with uh, poor content basically and they don't want their their brand showing next next to this toxic content um, I think it's just the the same sort of thing as uh, what happened uh, I think it was last year with the brand protection thing with uh, YouTube and L'Oreal and M&S where it was some of their content was shown next to extremist content and there is a bit of a transparency issue here it's um, you know there's a lot of people trying to develop transparency tools in the digital world now to make sure that brands feel secure and comfortable that the content's being put next to um, trustworthy content and uh, content that basically isn't going to damage the brand in some way but obviously this is a, a massive decision on the CMO of Unilever's part because I think they spend in the, the region of around 10 billion 
a year in, in advertising, which is an absolutely enormous sum of money. So I imagine Facebook and uh, Google are going to be shaking in the boots at this this statement, if I'm being honest with you. But I think it is, uh, you know, it is a, a threat at the right time, really. I think Facebook and Google need to take accountability for uh, the type of content that advertisers are showing uh, next to. Um, so yeah, it just it just needs tidying up, really, and I think it's uh, it'll be the start of bigger things, really. I uh, I agree with what he's doing. Keith Weed, but if he pulled all his social ad spend, it'd do too much damage. It's not going to happen. It, it would do, but I, I know what you're saying, and it's unlikely that they will, if I'm being honest with you, they, they will rely on that, that traffic too much, but there is a real transparency uh, and visibility issue in the market at the minute, and everybody's trying to race to uh, develop the, you know, the the perfect technology that's going to eradicate all this this content, like the extremist content that we experienced last year across YouTube. It is an, an, a massive issue, and I don't think advertisers up until this point have really realised where the the ad content's actually been served and what it's been served next to. And just from a, a general brand equity standpoint, if somebody sees um, your brand showing next to extremist content, it's going to be. You know, it's going to have a detrimental effect on your brand, no doubt. Do you think consumers are wising up now to this? It's not a human that's putting these things next to one another, is it? It's, a, it's an algorithm. Do you think consumers are wising up to that now? And sort of, you can understand that if these things happen, it's not for you know, it's no one's fault. It's not a. I see what you're saying, and it can be damaging to your brand. I think more contextually awkward situations can arise than than this. Though I mean, I don't know exactly what he's saying. Is, uh, is bad content that's getting placed next to his, but with the extremist content and stuff, wasn't that more context? Wasn't there more well, context with that? Wasn't no, that, that was just YouTube. That were exclusively to YouTube and not, so it wasn't necessarily an attack. Well, it were an attack on Google because Google are YouTube. Yeah. Uh, but it was more of a, um, yeah, it was specifically YouTube that, um, yeah, was the victim of that there, really. And they've done things between then and now to enforce more protection and more security against that. So they have, they have put protocols in place to improve that. But obviously, Facebook have never really suffered any brunt up until now. Uh, but yeah, you're right in what you're saying. I think um, consumers are becoming more aware. It's, you know, it's, all, it's been publicized so much over the last year about... Uh, getting rid of this online content. I don't think anybody's unaware of it. People just don't, you know, people at the top of, you know, these businesses like Unilever, they're massively protective over the, the brand equity mm. and they, they they do want something about it, uh, doing about it. It's just an old school way of looking at it. I always think that when people bring up topics like this, it's almost like, say you had a two-page spread in a magazine and your, uh, your advert was there and there was something that's contextually sort of awkward or, or offensive next to it. Obviously, a human's put that there in Illustrator or whatever graphics package they're using. Yeah. Same with, like, TV ads. You wouldn't put something contextually awkward in the... You know, if you're showing a documentary on something awful, you wouldn't put something that's contextually awful in the middle, would you? Because someone, someone's got to make sure it doesn't happen. But online, you, consumers have sort of, sort of got to start realising that this is an algorithm that's doing this. It's not, no one's there to vet it most of the time. And now people think are expecting them to do that, aren't they? I think they do, but I think advertisers would like the control to be able to yeah. decide whether to show it next to that content or not, which I don't think is an unfair judgment mm -hmm. or for somebody to say the, the lack of control is the, the problem here. You can't choose whether to show it next to it 
or not, which mm. is a bit of a problem. And nobody, even, you know, there's there's tons of different viewability tools and technologies that are coming now, which are actually helping you get slightly close to that transparency metric, but it's still a little bit of an unknown. Um, mm. And I, I think one thing that they're working towards, I know we've discussed it a little bit before, but the, the blockchain technology, which is, um, well, it's a, me- a methodical way, basically, of making sure that you've got access to the whole history of the ad being served. Uh, and I know these guys are working closely with IBM to try and develop that t- technology. So it might be that in another couple of years, we've got a completely new system that's transparent mm. and trustworthy and gives people control. And then there'll be no ambiguity about whether you've shown next to extremist content or you know, just a generally content that you don't want to be affiliated with. Yep. I think at the end of the day, whoever's got the money in the pocket, obviously, how much did you say this guy's got to spend or his budget is? 10 billion a year. If you've got 10, 10 billion a year in your pocket and you want some sort of feature adding to this advertising platform, <laughs> it's going to happen, isn't it? <laughs> Who cares? It's going to happen, so. In, in a way, I, I like what is, is, is done, really. It is helping all advertisers because unless a big dog with a load of cash and deep pockets makes a big threat like is done, mm. you know, what, what are Little Fry going to do? They're not going to have any impact on whether they change. These guys might disrupt it enough for Google and Facebook to go, right, guys, we need to, we need to up it here. And then when the smaller guys are pitching advertising services and they get an, asked an awkward question like, how can you guarantee um, viewability and transparency? And how can, how can we gauge whether we're showing next to good content or bad content? Yep. They've, they, they've got the confidence to then say to their, their brand, on, uh, who they're advertising on the behalf of yes I can guarantee that you're not going to be shown next to XYZ content yeah I think the platforms have 100% got a responsibility to develop it and get it to that stage but I, I still think that although it's a bold move and it's good that it's bringing it to the media and the attention of the industry it's still going to put his money where the attention of the consumer is as a consumer brand Yep. fundamentally he's never going to pull his ads from a platform where his potential customers are no and I, I don't think it will in all honesty with you I think it's just a little bit of a come on guys step it up and I think he's done the right thing I think he's done it for everybody's benefit because if it if it has if obviously if it has the effect uh, that M&S and BMW and L'Oreal had on YouTube the other year um, you know YouTube went on to implement new protocols and new levels of security if facebook go and do that it's going to make every advertiser's life easier because mm. i even I, I i get asked awkward questions about you know where where we're being shown you know what where your ads been placed especially on uh, algorithmic um placements and uh, optimizations if you choose automatic placement in facebook for instance or instagram you're just leaving it to yeah, the, the yeah. You're just leaving it to the platform to do that. People don't want that. People want brands want more trust and control on you know where the content's been served. But basically, in a nutshell, I think it's I think it's good, and I think it's kicked up a bit of dust. And hopefully, Facebook will and Google react positively. I'm sure they will. Can we just go back to this guy's name, Keith Weed? That's yeah. that's a great name. That <laughs> sounds like a mighty Bush character. Great name, Keith. 